Hey folks, can your IRA or 401k stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is right at our doorstep? By allocating a percentage of your retirement into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from a turbulent market and economic downturns. All you got to do is put your IRA back on the gold standard. With a multi-trillion dollar trade deficit and ongoing geopolitical instability, experts say now is the time to make the switch. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Protect your retirement today with one simple phone call and receive your free gold and silver guide from my good friends at Genesis Gold. To do that, call Genesis Gold Group today at 800 200 G-O-L-D, gold. That's 800-200-GOLD. And find out how you can add precious metals to your IRA. One more time, let me give you the number. It's 800-200-4653. gold Or visit them at genesisgoldgroup.com. Genesis Gold, welcome to the John Solomon Just the News family. Hello, America. Welcome to a Monday edition of John Solomon Reports. Yes, we're tanned, rested, maybe windburn uh, from uh, a beautiful spring weekend, at least here on the East Coast it was. And now we got to get back to work, dig in our heels, break some news, and try to give you guys the facts. Today, we're going to have a really fun guest. I, I grew up in the shadows of New York City and Connecticut. And uh, as I was growing up and the New York crime crisis of the late 1970s, early 1980s was unfolding, uh, Curtis Sliwa was a, a, a person everybody in New York knew. He started the Guardian Angels. Uh, he was foe and friend to New York police, ultimately a significant friend to New York police. Uh, but early on, the police and the Democratic establishment in the city didn't know what to make of him and his red-capped angels. But uh, over time, he helped bring uh, attention to the issue of crime, particularly in the subways, and uh, and now has launched a international movement. The Guardian Angels are in so many cities, not only in America but across the world. I think they got five or six thousand members. And after all that, after thirty years on radio as a popular talk show host, Curtis Sliwa has decided to jump both feet into politics. He's running for mayor of New York City. The primaries in June, the general elections in November. It's a race worth watching, and Curtis Lee has a lot of early momentum on the Republican side. A lot of people talking about it that in the year of defunding, disarming, and dishonoring police, that Curtis Lee might be the most interesting antidote that New York City could possibly imagine in its mayor's race. And so we're going to spend today talking to Curtis Lee the history of the Guardian Angels, what the defund police movement means, not only for New York City, but across the country. Uh, and uh, as you know, the Big Apple is the microcosm and the macrocosm of so many things that happen in urban America, one of the greatest cities in the world. And today we're going to have Curtis Lee. We'll talk about it. His history is so fun. Um, uh, and, you know, the Guardian Angels are sort of recognized and appreciated today. But early on, uh, they were quite controversial and they took a lot of abuse, both politically and sometimes physically. Uh, I know Curtis was arrested several times, but now a lot of law enforcement that remember those days fondly uh, rally around him, and they're looking for his candidacy to bring attention to the defunding police movement, to the disarming police movement. So many cops in New York City that I've met or talked with, retired cops as well, say that they can't sort out what they're allowed to do, and they're afraid 
and that they may put their lives at risk because they don't know what tactics are permitted, not permitted. Uh, there is so much going on in the city that needs to be dug into to be explored. And, uh, and I think Curtis is the sort of guy that can bubble them up. He's got name recognition. He's got moxie. Lord knows he's got moxie. So we're going to talk to him in just a few minutes. You're not going to want to miss this interview. It's fun. Yeah, we'll, we'll learn a lot. And uh, we'll also see how the race in New York City, the mayoral race, is really a potential referendum nationally on defund, disarm, and dishonor police, the movement that began last spring and summer across the country, starting in Minneapolis and moving um, all across the entire country. Now, before we do that, I always like to bring you a scoop or two. And, you know, I've been saying how important the Freedom of Information Act is, uh, whether it's at the federal level or at the state record level. Sometimes it's called something different in the state's open records law, uh, right to know law, whatever it is. But we at Just the News, we file scores upon scores of open records requests. We file lawsuits often, uh, particularly with uh, our good friends, such as those at the Southeastern Legal Foundation, a public interest law firm that represented me in so many of the lawsuits seeking to force uh, disclosure of information about uh, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, Ukraine, China. Uh, But today we scored a very important FOIA, uh, Freedom of Information Act request in Georgia's largest county, Fulton County, around the city of Atlanta. Uh, We have the internal emails of what went on on election night. If you remember, there has long been a mystery, and quite frankly, these emails only heighten the mystery of what was going on. Uh, Republican observers and much of the media were told that at 1030, Fulton County was going to stop counting, and everyone should go home and come back the next morning. And then a few people stayed behind and kept counting, while there were no observers, while uh, the media and the rest of the observing world was asleep at the switch, well, our emails uh, showing the internal discussions of Fulton County officials, election officials, show that, in fact, there was a widespread sentiment, even inside the government, that people were going home, which raises the question, if they created that, why did they keep voting, vote counting that night? Why did they do it in the absence of uh, election observers. Why did they uh, not uh, stop like they said and come back in the morning, create transparency? These emails only heighten the mystery of what went on. They call into question some of the public accounts that have been given, some of the conflicting accounts. Uh, my good colleague Daniel Payne with our good colleague Natalia Middlestat filed this Freedom of Information Act. The results are up online. It's a fascinating read. Uh, you decide for yourself after reading these emails, you can click on them yourself and look at them. Uh, there is something here that only makes us wonder more what Fulton County is. And now with Georgia thinking about uh, doing recounts and investigations, this seems to be a prime area. Remember, we had a FOIA back in the fall talking about uh, machines being um, uh, opened in Fulton County and the um, Data cards with the results of voting votes were taken out early, sometimes as, with as little as three to 5,000 votes filed. Interesting stuff. We're still trying to sort it through. Uh, but these emails here uh, only further heighten the fact that it looks as though Atlanta made it really clear they weren't going to be counting, even though they kept counting. And the answer is why. Was it a head fake? Was it just an accidental thing that kind of unfolded awkwardly? We don't know. But these emails certainly give us a lot more information. So check that out when you get a chance. We're going to have some more big stories this week on Russia, 
And on Hunter Biden and Ukraine and China, we're learning more about who was helping Hunter Biden in his efforts to get rich. We're going to work on that as well this week. So big week of news, investigating, transparency, Freedom of Information Act. We're doing it all for you, Just the News. Um, now, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have our interview with Curtis Lewa, the founder of the Guardian Angels, a, a larger-than-life figure in New York City, and now a candidate, Republican candidate for mayor in the Big Apple. You're not going to want to miss this interview. Defunding, disarming, dishonoring police going to be a big part of the subject. All right, let's go to that commercial break. When we come back, Curtis Lewa exclusively with John Solomon Reports and JustTheNews.com. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest. When I was growing up in New York, I remembered Curtis Sliwa and his efforts to clean up the subways, to get on top of crime at a time when people were literally afraid to go out of their homes in New York City. And uh, we're lucky now to have him on the show as he begins his effort to run for New York City mayor. So, Curtis Lebo, welcome to the show. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, obviously, as I take uh, the first steps on this mission to save our city, it's interesting, John, because I'm the last candidate in. I waited. I waited. I hoped that a man <laughs> or a woman would emerge right? who would uh, who would actually support the police, want to refund the police, want to restore law and order. Not one of them. So Amazing. that's why I'm running to become the next mayor of the city of New York. Well, I, uh, you know, I was growing up and I remember I grew up in Connecticut and uh, traveled to the city often. And I just remember a time in the late 70s where people were literally afraid to get on a subway, literally go out after dark. Uh, and that gave rise to what, you know, uh, is now one of the great citizen efforts at cleaning up a city, the Guardian Angels. Tell us a little bit about what inspired you to do that, because, I mean, that's such an iconic thing to come in there and say, we're going to fill the gap where police need help. And, and just give us a little bit of what inspired you to do that. Well, I was always raised on the concept of self-help. Don't depend on government taking care of you from the cradle to the grave. A lot of problems that emerge in the community can be dealt with by the community in a structured manner. So here I was in the 1970s, and New York City was in a perilous situation. We were on the brink of fiscal collapse, almost declaring Chapter 11. There were massive cuts uh, that had to be made in the budget pretty similar to what we're going to see take place in New York City now because, unfortunately, we're traveling the same path as we did in the 70s. But 
The mayor at the time, newly elected, Ed Koch, was a cheerleader. He understood that he had to throw nickels around like manhole covers. He had to lay off cops and firefighters and teachers and social workers. But he was out there in the streets encouraging people, raising their spirits, going into retail establishments, restaurants, because he knew wherever the mayor went, the media would follow. But because of the severe draconian cuts, there were no uniformed police officers assigned to the subway systems, which ran 24 hours a day uh, from 7 p.m. at night to 5 a.m. in the morning, what they call the off-peak hours. And criminals took that as a license to commit Jesse James-style holdups. Right. They'd come into the moving subway cars, sold off shotguns. They'd put it to one person, uh, kneecap, threatened to shoot everybody unless they immediately gave up any money they had on them and take off gold rings, gold teeth out of their mouth, hmm. anything of value. And in order to... Uh, significantly prove to everybody there they meant business, they would shoot somebody in the kneecap. So you could imagine the horror, the fear, oh, the yeah. trauma. No police. And so that's when I determined as a night manager of McDonald's in the Bronx that I would organize my closing crew and we would begin patrolling the worst of the many bad subway lines that have been nicknamed the Muggers Express by the riders themselves. And at first people looked at us as if we were the Burger Boys. <laughs> then uh, we, we had the name, the Magnificent 13. 13, that's State the name I remember, right. Right. That was the uh, beginnings. And soon thereafter, because our numbers grew and the request to go beyond subways was getting greater and greater by the day, uh, I changed the name and the focus uh, to streets and subways, and we became the Guardian Angels. Remarkable. And uh, you became public enemy number one for Ed Koch for a while, right? He wasn't too fond of you guys taking uh, fill in the gaps where his budgets couldn't cover. How did you, how did that play out? Luckily, there was no social networking back that, then because <laughs> Ed Koch was the master of the 30-second soundbite. He sure was. And he tried to bury us with those soundbites. He called us vigilantes. He called us hell's angels. He called us a ragtag gang. And as a result, the police were confused. They, right. they had seen their colleagues laid off. They thought, oh, my God, the Guardian Angels beginning to ride the subways. That's, there goes our job security. So their union actually told them to go out and arrest us wow. uh, for disorderly conduct, disturbing the peace, unlawful assembly, obstruction of government administration. You name it, they charged us. Within the first 13 years in this baptism in fire, I personally was arrested 76 times. And no kidding, 76 times? Yeah, on occasion, the cops would give me a wooden shampoo and a concrete facial and an <laughs> attitudinal readjustment on the way to the lockup. Right. So when it comes to mayoral candidates who talk about, you know, prisons, jails, law enforcement, I've experienced it both ways. So I think I, I'm the fairer arbiter of what is excessive and what isn't excessive. But it certainly was a great launching pad for us. We survived against all odds. And then when Rudy Giuliani was elected mayor, thank God, in 1993, he gave the city a badly needed colonic against all the crime. And he embraced the Guardian Angels. And we haven't had a problem since in New York City. In fact, we're now in 13 countries, 130 cities. We've got 5,000 members. And it's the same code of operation except we use local people in each and every one of the venues. It's all about self-help. Don't depend on government. Don't complain. Take responsibility for what's happening in your streets, your subways, 
and your neighborhoods. It, it is a remarkable story. And then, of course, you've been on radio for so long, too. You've been such a critical voice in New York politics and in, in uh, New York community for so long. And then all of a sudden, you decide it's time to get into politics and to, and to run in this race. What made you decide that you wanted to get in and, uh, and challenge the status quo in New York City? Well, you can imagine. Here it is. I live in the epicenter of the two most dysfunctional elected officials in America. And that's saying a lot. <laughs> yes. There are a lot of There's a lot of people competing for those officials. titles. Yeah. So we have at the top our state leader, our governor, Andrew Evilice Cuomo. Yeah. He is completely inept. He is adrift now. He's on the ropes. He may have to resign. He may get impeached. But he passed a no-bail law that essentially turned criminals, repeat offenders, predicate felons, back into the streets to commit their violent crimes over and over again. Then we have the most dysfunctional mayor in my lifetime, anybody's lifetime. Even Democrats agree with me as I'm campaigning out there. I, I say to them, well, we can all agree that Bill de Blasio is the worst mayor we've ever had in the city of New York. They concur, and they actually give the de Blasio salute. It's become universal, their middle finger. <laughs> yes, I think I've seen that I've a few times. I've only found one, one person who've actually said, no, Curtis, not for nothing. I, I really kind of like de Blasio. Uh, boy, that one in like thousands. <laughs> and so he has single-handedly taken a Miley Cyrus wrecking ball to the city of New York and has completely emasculated the police, defunded them, rendered them to be reactive instead of proactive. One time, the greatest police force with the greatest technological ability in the world is now at times incapable of not only defending the citizens, but defending themselves when they're under attack because they just don't know what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And notice the hypocrisy, uh, John, the very officials who every day want to defund the police more and more. They have armed security officers from the NYPD assigned to them 24 hours a day. Some of them live in uh, private communities, gated communities, where you have to show ID in order to get in. But for the rest of us, average everyday people, it's a double oofah to us. It's the typical do as I say, but not as I do. And that's all going to end when I'm mayor. I will not have a police entourage. I will not have a taxpayer-funded SUV. I will take the subways and buses like all of the New Yorkers have to on a regular basis. That will be uh, certainly mold-breaking for, for the political elite that have uh, run the city for so long. When you look at what's going on, really, and it's, it's hard to call New York City a microcosm because it's such a big, big place, and it really is the most vibrant city in the world. But really, this New York's uh, outcome, what has happened, police uncertain how to conduct themselves because of all the different rule changes, the defunding of police, the sudden rise of crimes and homicide, it's really uh, a microcosm of what happened everywhere that they've tried to defund uh, police movement in America. So when you're running, do you, do you, is there a little bit of a national sense to you? Because really what you're doing, if you, t if you take on New York, you're really taking on the larger uh, microcosm of the defund police movement. What, what have you found in terms of national support and other people watching you and saying, hey, I hope it goes well in New York because I want it to happen in my city soon too? Oh, yeah. Well, because I have guardian angel chapters in a lot of major urban areas yeah, in point. America, I'm getting that feedback right away. It's like, how come elected officials are not standing strong from all different parties, whether they're Republicans, Democrats, or independents, 
and supporting the police. In fact, my whole campaign is based on refunding the police, not defunding, refunding. And see, what happens is uh, you have this cadre on the far left, the Democrat Socialists of America, the Justice Warriors, led by AOC, all-out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who want to disband the police, who want to defund prisons, and basically want criminals to run them up. And so I stand up and I say, look, forget the political ideology or your party registration. Let's apply common sense to this. When you have a problem, when you're under assault, your home or business is being invaded, don't tell me you're calling AOC or the Justice Warriors. You're calling 911. (laughs) That's right. In fact, they do it themselves. So why would we defund the one group of men and women risking their lives each day who are ready to put themselves in harm's way to defend us and to take on those uh, those violators of our rights, those people who want to steal, loot, shoot. Why would we defund them? Uh, well, certainly, if you're going to discuss that, what is your replacement? Social workers? Yeah, yeah. see how, how that works against the oozy-toting, dope-sucking, psychopathic killing machines. It's not going to work. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. You're totally disarmed at that point. The um, we've been getting a lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of Democrats say, hey, I'm, I'm really interested. I've been a lifelong Democrat, but I like what Curtis is talking about. And then I think uh, the other day you had Geraldo Rivera give you a big shout out. Do you feel like uh, the, uh, the, the, the city is starting to fall behind this idea that they got too far in the other direction? It's time to rein it in. Like almost like what happened when Mayor Giuliani came aboard. Yeah, and John, I, I understand the the democratic ethos a lot better than most because uh, I was born and raised in a blue collar working class family. Right. My father Chester, a merchant seaman for fifty five years. My mother Francesca, homemaker, hardcore Democrats. They didn't vote for Ronald Reagan. They weren't Reagan Democrats. They didn't vote for Rudy Giuliani. They weren't Giuliani Democrats. They voted the straight Democratic ticket. And so I was raised in a household in which when I was visiting my parents right before they passed to the hereafter, I would come into the bedroom and they'd have a shrine on the wall. They had first a picture of Jesus Christ and Pope John Paul, next to it JFK Jr., and next to that President Barack Obama at the time. That tells you how hardcore they were and how I was raised. But obviously, they allowed me free thought, free expression to have divergent views. And when it came to law and order and public safety, the Democrats were a dollar short and a day late and most often seemed to sympathize with the criminals instead of those who are protecting our rights, protecting our ability at having free speech. So for a long time, I was an independent. In fact, I was the chairman, New York State chairman of the Reform Party for three years. That's right. Because I enjoyed my independent status. Until Andrew Evilize Cuomo, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, decided to eliminate the third parties. He tried constitutionally to do that. Uh, he failed with two parties, the Conservative Party and the Working Families Party. But the rest of the parties that you see exist, Libertarian Party, gone. Independence Party, gone. Reform Party, gone. Some of the other third parties, gone. Because it interfered with his concept of having a royal fiefdom where it was all hail, Andrew evilized Cuomo. And so then I decided, okay, I looked at the Democrats, I looked at the Republicans, I was more in line with the Republicans, became one back in February 8th of 2020 before the lockdown. 
and decided at that point when I saw the ineptness of Cuomo and de Blasio and the feckless nature of other elected officials in terms of not addressing the rising crime issue to say, no, no, I'm going to be there to support the cops. I'm going to support the people. I was out there in the streets on June 1st and June 2nd when many of your listeners actually saw the looting, the brazen looting that took place in the streets of New York as like locusts through a cornfield, they invaded Macy's and Herald Square, the largest department store in America. The police were not there and then went throughout the various uh, boutiques and designer shops and just were looting at, at, at will. And the only ones stopping them were me and the guardian angels. I got a broken jaw. Some other guardian angels were seriously injured. But we also were telling these thugs and thugettes and their followers because they were saying was, well, get out of our get out of our way. We don't want to have to hurt you. We know you. We know you guys and gals. And I said, look, first you come for the property, then you come for the product, then you're going to come for the people. Oh, what do you care? They have insurance. I said, no, because this kind of looting and anarchy will just lead to more of it being replicated. And even though we suffered a lot of injuries, we didn't surrender, we didn't retreat. We set an example for New Yorkers. The police apologized to us because they were told to stand back, you know, let the crowd vent by our, our mayor, uh, we call him Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope. And <laughs> obviously we've done, we did on that occasion what we've done for 42 years. So we, I've established the credibility with all different kind of people that I'll put my life on the line for the principles that I believe in. And I trust people. I trust people to be good. I trust people to be able to take care of themselves. They just need to be organized to have a sense of structure. And they can do a lot of the work that we're always thinking the government has to do. I don't want people to feel that they have to be catered to from, from birth to the grave. Now, you lose your independence. You lose your incentive. You lose your identity. You lose your free speech. And I don't want to see that. I don't want Americans, and especially residents in New York City, all to become drones captives, you know, basically um, indentured servants to government. Yeah, that's such a big thing. And I, I know you, you said all from the very beginning when, when, when you created the Guardians, and it's always been about self-reliance. At the end of the day, you can't rely on government. And you don't want big government. Give us a strong police force and get out of the way everywhere else. Uh, how is that message resonating in the aftermath of uh, a COVID pandemic where Mario or, uh, Andrew Cuomo sends uh, nursing patients to their death by putting them back, COVID back into their nursing homes, where uh, large numbers of restaurants have been put out of business by the restrictions. Do you think that a city that has relied on big government for a long time is ready for a little smaller government? Maybe they had enough? Yeah, because they've seen government having failed them, even failing them in getting the vaccines that right. obviously can get us to a point of herd immunity into their arms so that life can return to, to some normalcy. They've seen government fail every step of the way. So they're open, open to this concept. And they know that I've, I've basically been uh, pointing this out for more than four decades by what I do as the leader of the Guardian Angels and what I get other people to do as volunteers in following that concept. And then also, naturally, you have the justice warriors and others who are concerned about police crossing the line 
there's no better person to be able to understand that than me because I experienced you that experienced myself. First in the first, yeah. Right. But I realized you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You can reform the police without neutering the police. And you have to have a strength in police department, what nobody is talking about with all this defunding. New York City has been the target of terrorists since 1992, the first attempt to take down the World Trade Center by Sheikh Rahman. Then we saw that Al-Qaeda succeeded in that mission through, through all the support that took place from Saudi Arabia through the venture that became Al-Qaeda. And now we see that ISIS is licking its chops because they want revenge. They want to be able to return and complete the task of striking a blow at what they call the big Satan, America, New York, and then the little Satan, Israel. So we had a thousand men and women who have been trained as part of the NYP anti-terrorism task force. Many of them who are Sunnis and Shias themselves, many of them who are fluent in the Arabic languages, and they monitor the potential acts of terrorism that could exist. Now, just imagine if you were in some cave in South Yemen and you were monitoring everything going on in New York City, the chaos, the anarchy, the, the weakness of the police department, you would see an opening here to strike at the heart of the economic engine of, of the free world, New York, of America. And I believe that they are actively plotting to do so. And I have asked consistently, have we defunded the New York City Police Department Anti-Terrorism Task Force that has kept us safe and secure from acts of terrorism? I can't get a straight answer. I would have to assume, John, if you've taken a billion dollars from their budget and you've eliminated other agencies or you've uh, taken away personnel from other agencies, you probably did to the Anti-Terrorism Task Force, but they don't want to come forward. They don't want to acknowledge it and tell us what a dire situation why we might be in making ourselves more vulnerable to a third attack. Well, it seems like we should adjust the news here. We're, we're going to put a FOIA in and see if we can force that legally. We should try to force that issue. What, what is the size of the terrorism task force and what effect did the, these budget cuts have? Now, let's see if we can get it into court and maybe get the American public some transparency on that. That seems like a very important issue, Curtis, and I, I agree with you that this is exactly the sort of time when terrorists would love to take advantage of a soft spot or, or a, a weakness. You, you've you got a pretty uh, a tough primary. You've got some big endorsements already, right? Uh, Staten Island, Brooklyn GOP, I think, have already come out. But you got some competitors in the in the Republican primary. Fernando Mateo, uh, Sarah Tershwell, I think, is in as well. Uh, what's your strategy for the primary? Talk about, you know, step one in the two-part process. Well, unfortunately, uh, and this also occurs with the Democrats, such a small number of registered Republicans and Democrats actually show up for the yeah. primary, which this year will be June 22nd. Right. We're lucky if 20% of those registered will show up. And remember, you have all kinds of new mechanisms. You have 10 days of early voting. You have absentee ballots that will be available, except here you have to request one and the Board of Elections will send it to you. And then we have the traditional day of voting on November 22nd. We, if we're lucky, 60,000 of close to 550,000 Republicans will bother to even vote. Even with early voting, absentee voting by, by paper ballot, and same-day voting on Election Day. 
I think I have an advantage. At least early polls indicate uh, I'm strongly ahead because of the support in Staten Island, which is the only red area in all of New York City. Yeah, that's right. They voted for Trump the first time, voted for Trump the second time. There are pockets in Brooklyn and Queens which are supportive of me. It's almost uh, very few Republicans uh, in uh, uh, in the Bronx. And in Manhattan, the GOP there is kind of fractured. Uh, they're good Republicans, but they're, they're at war with one another. So I think at this particular point, it's mine to lose. I have the name recognition. I'm synonymous with uh, supporting the police and combating crime. But again, I don't take anything, anything for granted. That's why if people out there, wherever they are listening, and support my campaign <laughs> while we're way behind when it comes to raising the money because I was the last to enter. They can go online to Curtis Lewa for mayor.com. That's Curtis Lewa for mayor.com. See my positions, help me financially because that's really what we need to make this a successful effort and set the ground, the, the sort of template so that if I get into the general election, whether it's the Yang gang or anyone else on the far left, I can compete with them and take them on on every point in which I clearly disagree. Yeah, there'll be such a clear difference between the candidates in this election, unlike you know prior elections where sometimes it's hard to tell Republicans and Democrats apart. There won't be any doubt about the, the differences on, on all of the key issues. When you, you know, uh, uh, every election seems to turn on a singular question at the end of the day. Uh, you know, Ronald Reagan, are we better off than you were four years ago in 1980? You walk through the election, should we build the wall, Donald Trump, uh, make America great again? What do you think is the singular question in the back of New Yorkers' mind uh, that they're really going to decide this election on? Well, in the back of New Yorkers' minds, they hear Texas, Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Arizona, whispering to them gently, come. <laughs> come yonder. <laughs> leave, leave New York. Yeah. Leave New York. Now, we see the corporations are being sweetened up right. to leave. Right. They're being offered all kinds of incentives. We see that workers, especially high-skilled workers, don't any longer have to come into the city to work. They can do it from anywhere. They can do it from leave it to Beaverland, Father Knows Best, Little House of the Prairie, Ames, <laughs> Iowa. Right. So we learned that through the pandemic. We weren't sure of that before, but now we know yeah, for sure. It solidified that. And we we have a political establishment in the city led by de Blasio who is encouraging them to leave. Just make sure the door doesn't hit you in your tuchus, you're right, behind right. on the way out. So really, that's the issue here is getting New Yorkers to stay, especially those who have equity, wealth, who will invest who have businesses, but we have the tax and spend liberal progressives who actually want to continue to raise taxes, even though Chuck Schumer himself, who passed this $1.9 trillion stimulus, which has money for everything other than the pandemic itself, <laughs> even he said, you don't need any more money. You got more money. You're dealing with your deficit debt. We've made you whole again, New York City. We made you whole again, New York. No, not enough. Let's drive the rich out. Let's drive the wealthy. Let's drive the middle class out. And the bottom line is, if we don't keep them, then all of a sudden we are going to see the continued flight. Yeah. And the New real York dynamic. City itself. Oh, yeah. I mean, who are going to take care of the poor, the impoverished, the indigent, the emotionally disturbed, the mentally handicapped, 
all the things that we subsidize with tax dollars, if there are nobody, if there's nobody here to subsidize it, then the services will either be diminished or eliminated. I mean, that's again common sense. Yeah, no, it is, and and that flight is real. I mean, you, I, I can't tell you the number of times I'm in Florida and I meet a New Yorker in Florida. I'm like, what are you doing down here? Oh, I moved down here. It it is a real uh, a real dynamic coast in, in North Carolina, South Carolina too. So very very real. Well, Curtis, we're going to follow and chronicle this uh, very exciting race. I know this is going to be an interesting year for you and a little bit different. I see you put your radio show on hiatus now, right? So you're into full-time campaigning. Um, yeah, I had to. Actually, yeah. I'm addicted to talk radio, having done it 30 straight years. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the FCC uh, yep. sent a letter. It said, equal time provision, pal. Right. You got to get off the radio. It was a tough. It was tough. It was like going cold turkey. I bet but it was tough. People Thankfully, people like yourself lend me the microphone to, from time to time, so I, uh, I get back into the flow. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to give up that microphone, but you're going for a much yeah. bigger bullhorn, obviously, and very important stuff uh, ahead of us. So we want to we want to chronicle this race and stay in touch with you as as the year unfolds. Very, very important race in New York, and can't thank you enough for your time today, Curtis. It was great. Oh, thank you for the tactical air support, and I'm always available to you and your listeners. Sounds great. Well, then we're going to take you up and have you back as the race unfolds. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, Add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free social security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. 
Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash just news. That's AMAC.us forward slash just news. All right, folks, that wraps it up for the day. What an interview. I felt like I took a memory stroll down uh, my own childhood and, and early adulthood in New York City, growing up in the shadows in Connecticut, visiting the city often. Uh, Curtis Sliwa, a figure omnipresent for more than 40 years in New York City, and now trying to be the city's next mayor as a Republican. You heard what he said about counterterrorism, about uh, defunding the police, about the Cuomo de Blasio record of achievement or lack thereof in uh, the state of New York and the city of New York and why the mayor's race really is a much larger uh, microcosm of what's going on in the country in the defund police movement era. Lots to talk about. I'm sure you'll be talking about it over dinner and at the water cooler as well. What a great interview. We're so grateful that Curtis gave us so much time. All right. We'll be back tomorrow to break some more news. Buckle your seatbelt. I think we might have a new Russian revelation for you tomorrow, along with many other things. But until then, may God bless you. May God bless this great country, as he always has, the United States of America. God bless you. Have a good night. Remember, if you need a news fix, go to justthenews.com. We've got you covered with the breaking news and the exclusive news whenever you're available. All right. God bless. We'll be back tomorrow. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z -Pak. The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tn. 
usa.com slash justnews.